Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Deuteronomy. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, we're going to get started. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for allowing us this opportunity to come before Him, to learn more about Him. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Amen. We're eternally grateful. I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study here, one body, many parts. I'd like to thank all the faithful people that serve in this ministry to keep it going. We're grateful for each and every one of you. We all need each other. And a shout out to the Facebook live feed. We thank you for your continued support and dedication to watch the services. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study? And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity, Lord, to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. Thank you for getting us all here safely, Lord. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provided today for us to meet our needs, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see you in everything, Lord as our spiritual eyes are open, Lord, in the lost and dying world, Lord. Help us to represent you properly, Lord, by living a life worthy of the call, Lord, by representing you and becoming like clay in your hands so you can mold us and shape us into the people who you created us to be, Lord. Thank you for all the faithful ministries around the world that faithfully preach your word through the Bible, Lord, as the owner's manual, as we do here, Lord. And just thank you for all the people, all the churches around the world. I pray for our great nation, Lord, that you keep your healing hand over it, Lord, for the sake of your believers, and so we can bring others into the kingdom, Lord, before you come back, Lord. And let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit and not our flesh. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand, and Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to get started with tonight's message.
Do what you are famous for, amen? He does a lot. You have resurrection power. Amen, right? Bring dry bones to life, right? He brings the dead back to life again. We don't even realize that we're spiritually dead when we're born, following the commander of this world. Until we find Jesus, then we understand. We start to see what people don't see. Amen? Amen. It gives us that sixth sense and like what direction the world is going. We have to just keep that in prayer. It's a sad situation out there. Uh, everybody just does what's right in their own sight. And I want no directions. I'm done God unto myself. And uh, the nation will suffer for that. It will. And so will us Christians as we suffer for them to bring them into salvation, right? To let them see the light. So I just want to remind you the Holy Spirit will be taken over tonight, right now, as I speak the Word of God. So please be attentive to that and try not to cause any distractions that might try to get us out of the Spirit. All right, we've got a beautiful scripture up there that we're going to start off tonight in Isaiah chapter 54. We're going to go to start in verse 4. I'll just run a little bit over that. That's all. I'll stay in this chapter all night. This is one of my favorite chapters. Oh, really? Yeah, Isaiah 54. Uh, and I'll, I'll also read a scripture from there, too. Okay, let's start in verse 4. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. For your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief, as though you were a young wife abandoned by her husband, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you. But with great compassion, I will take you back. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth. So now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. The Lord Jesus Christ comes into our lives. The Lord is not angry and punishing anymore. He's a loving, caring God. Amen. Amen. He doesn't punish us. He chastens us for our own good. He shows us. He corrects us. I, I like them words better than punishing. Our God is not a punishing God. Amen. He's a loving, compassionate God. The, the, the problem is the world sees love in a different way. Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Because I love, you know, if God's not about feelings, amen? If he sees danger or something else going in the wrong direction, he's going to confront us. Just like we should confront our kids or someone that we see that's in danger. Never mind the feelings. When you love somebody, you'll do what it takes to get them back in line, amen? And sometimes it has to be pain and suffering, Amen? All right, now while we're in Isaiah 54, let's go down to verse 17. <laughs> this is a, 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 a scripture that I quote often during persecution and anything that might be coming my way from the enemy. But there's a condition attached to this. In verse 17, In that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord, and their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. When you make a choice to serve the Lord instead of yourself, he puts his protection. He said he's going to protect you, and nothing's going to come up against you that God's not going to take care of for us. Amen? Amen. 
He promises that. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment, the Bible says, thou shalt condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I like the King James. It says it that way. Very authoritative. And it's right to the point. Amen? That's a great, great scripture there. That's something any of us that are going through things, you know, because the, the devil tries to get us in our emotions. Okay? The Lord is not about feelings. He's a fact. He said he's going to protect us. He said he's never going to leave us. He says, he said, in the first scriptures we read, he said, I hid from you for a little while. That's what he does when he tests us. You can't sense him. You can't feel him. He wants to see. He wants to hear us say, oh, does he really exist? Could God really be? Is that true? And we start to get doubtful. Amen? And he tries to let us know that I'm with you. Don't worry. Chill out. All right, let us go to our scripture. We're going to be starting in Deuteronomy chapter 10 tonight, which is an awesome chapter. Like I said, we're under, under a new covenant. The Old Testament is there to remind us and give us principles and spiritual facts that if we fall into the same problems that they did, that we're going to suffer the same way they did for us to avoid them pitfalls. Amen? It's very relevant today. We'll start in verse 1, and I'll, I'll reiterate on it as we go. A copy of the new covenant. At that time, the Lord said to me, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, also make a wooden ark, a sacred chest to store them in. Come up to me on the mountain, and I will write on the tablets the same words that were on the ones you smashed. Then place the tablets in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood and cut two stone tablets like the first two. Then I went up the mountain with the tablets in my hand. Once again, the Lord wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets and gave them to me. They were the same words the Lord had spoken to you from the heart of the fire on the day you were assembled at the foot of the mountain. Then I turned and came down the mountain and placed the tablets in the Ark of the Covenant, which I had made. Just as the Lord commanded me, and the tablets are still there in the ark. So he made the tablets again, so God is what? Full of rich mercy and, and second chances, right? He said, I'm going to write them down again for you. Okay, we're going to put them in the ark of the covenant, and I'm going to give you my laws. Back to you again. And we're going to start over on this. So, so let me reiterate it on the tablets for a couple of minutes here. Okay, the tablets of the law were still in the ark about 500 years later. Okay, when Solomon put it in his newly built temple in 1 Kings 8 and 9. Okay, the ark last appeared in the Israelites' history during the reign of Josiah, about 300 years after Solomon, 2 Chronicles 35 verse 3. Often we ask, what does God expect of me? Here Moses gives a summary that is, that is simple and a form and easy to remember. Okay. So let's continue, okay? Let's, let's read on a little bit here. I'm going get, to get a little bit closer with this. I don't want to get ahead of myself on here. Verse 6. The people of Israel set out from the wells of the people of Jachin and traveled to Maserah, where Aaron died and was buried. His son Eleazar ministered as high priest in his place. Then they journeyed to Gadagoa, and from there to Japatha a land with many brooks and streams. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessings in his name. These are their duties to this day. That is why the Levites have no share of the property or possession of land among the other Israelite tribes. The Lord himself is their special possession as the Lord your God told them. Remember, they had a special, remember, the, the Levites carried the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. And do you remember the other guys that tried to carry it? Mm -hmm. They died. Mm -hmm. 
That's how sacred it was. God appoints certain people to do certain things, and he holds them highly to it. Amen? It's the same thing with ministries. When God calls somebody to the ministry, he holds them the highest esteem to that position in the ministry. Can I get an amen for that? And he holds us to that. We're accountable to God when he calls us. And as for me, I stayed on the mountain, verse 10, in the Lord's presence for 40 days and nights. As I'd done the first time. These 40 days and 40 nights comes up a lot, doesn't it? As I'd done in the first time. And once again, the Lord listened to my pleas and agreed not to destroy you. Then the Lord said to me, get up and resume the journey and lead the people to the land I swore to give to their ancestors so they may take possession of it. Okay. A call to love and obedience. And we'll reiterate on this as I go down on this. And now Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God. Two things he requires. Two things he requires of us. Look, to fear the Lord your God. And what's the next one? And live in a way that pleases him. You see it? To live in a way that pleases him. And love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Why does God give us these principles and these laws? They're for our own good. Can I get an amen for that? We think he's trying to take things from us and condemn us and make us do all these things we don't want to do. He gives us these commands for our own good. Now, what's the new commandment in the New Testament? Is what fulfills it all? Love, right? God calls us to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbor as ourselves. That fulfills all this Bible. Why we read it, why we come to Bible study, it's supposed to put the heart of Christ into our hearts so we can love the lost and dying world back to him. Amen? That's what it's designed to do. For our own good. Look, the highest heavens and earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as objects of his love. And he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as it is evident today. Look at verse 16. Therefore, change your heart and stop being stubborn. Does anybody relate to that? How many of us are still stubborn? Everybody thinks that they know more than what's in that book. Everybody thinks they know more than God does. Even Christians. They think that we can help them out, or I know, and the way I interpret it is the way I interpret it. No. It's only interpreted one way. Sin is sin, God is God, and we're not. Amen? He's God over everything. And he's the one who gives us the ability to make money, the ability to study for school, the ability to go to school, and all that belongs to him, not us. Amen? He's the one that should get glorified for doing it, not us getting a plaque on the wall. Amen? He's the one that should get the glory, but no, we want to get the glory. Look how smart I am. Look how intelligent. Look at my achievements. You could achieve nothing if it wasn't from him. Amen? Nothing. And anybody who's arrogant enough to not believe that doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't have a savior. They're lost, just as everybody else out there is. Amen? Because I can. the Bible says, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing that has any eternal value. Or you can come down into this world and do a lot of things that you're going to get recognized for, but it ain't coming with you. Amen? It's all, that's all the reward you'll ever get, which you're getting down here. And this, isn't, this is a temporary home for a Christian. Amen? This isn't our permanent home. So why would we want to store up our treasures down here? My treasures are in heaven. Amen? Amen. Once you get the concept, you start letting things go that don't mean anything. You stop lowering yourself and saying, I ain't all that in a bag of chips. God is king, and he reigns over my life. Amen? Amen. I am accountable to him. I said I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, so if you did, well, then he's your Lord and Savior. You do what he tells you to do. If you love me, obey me, it says in the Bible. Amen? Okay. 
So let me just reiterate on a couple of things here. Moses gives a summary in verses 12 to 13. We often ask, what does God expect of me? Here Moses gives a summary that is simple in form and easy to remember. Here are the essentials. Fear God, right? Have reverence for him, right? Have reverence for him. Live in a way that pleases him. Follow him. Follow his ways. Three, love him. Four, serve him with all your heart and soul. Now, that is something that is not an easy thing to do, to give him all of you. We give him some of us, but not all of us, amen? He wants all of our heart and our soul. He wants us what's in our mind, and he wants our body to follow that, amen? He wants us to obey him, love him, and follow him, okay? Five, obey his commands. How often we complicate faith with man-made rules, okay? Regulations and requirements. Are you frustrated and burned out from trying hard to please God? I hope so. Concentrate on his real requirements and find peace. Okay? Respect, follow, love, serve, and obey. Amen? <laughs> Very simple. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen? <coughs> okay. Is everybody with me so far? Yeah. All right. Let's go back to verse 16, and we're going to move down here. I'll probably get it into two chapters tonight because this is a short one. And therefore, change your hearts. In Hebrew, it says, circumcise the foreskin of your hearts. That's what it says in Hebrew. And stop being stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. You know, oh God, if you just, you know, you, you know. If God, if you just help me in this situation, I promise I'll read the Bible every day. I promise, Lord, if you take these handcuffs off me and let me out of the back of that police car, I will never do that again. We bother with God, right? We think that he's, oh, and then what do we do? Go right back to our ways again, right? God, please help me in this situation. Please help me help this, heal them, help them. And then what? Go off on our own way. Like he's a genie. God says in verse 17, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He's the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Let me stop right there. What is he saying? Who's a foreigner right now to us? The unbelievers are the foreigners. Right? They're the foreigners. He's telling us, to, you must show love to foreigners. Remember back in the nation Israel? They weren't showing love. They were oppressing the foreigners because they weren't, they weren't of that same descent. They were, they were what? Persecuting them and slavering them. They were treating them really harsh. And he's telling us today, don't you dare treat the unbelieving world the way, the, the way that you think that you think you know more than they do because you would dislike them at one time. It says you were, you were slaves in Egypt. What does slaves in Egypt mean to a believer today? Slaves of Egypt mean we were enslaved by the world system at one time. We come up out of it. People that don't see what we see, we're to love them and show them a better way. And how do we show them a better way if we can't tell them about Jesus? We can't give them scripture. We show them by a life worthy of our call, right? We don't react the same way that the unbelieving world does. There should be a difference in every Christian's heart if they're a born-again believer to show a difference out there, especially in this dark world today, amen? We follow a different king. A different set of principles, not the world's principles, amen? We follow the word's principles. God tells us to love our enemies. Be good to those who persecute you. If they persecute you, pay them back with a blessing. You pray for them. You don't cuss them and talk about them. You pray for them, amen? amen. Now look what it says. Verse 20. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. What do you mean cling to him? You better cling to his word. Let me tell you something. Or else you're going to forget. 
He'll, you know it as well as I do. You stop coming to church for a while and you stop reading that Bible and see what comes back into your mind again and the world system, how back you get infected with that all over again, how soon it comes. And Christians, they don't understand that we need to gather in the church because that's what keeps us plugged in and connected. You cannot be disconnected from a church body. Jesus is the head of it and we're connected to the vine. For apart from this, we can do nothing. We end up falling short and going back into the world again. Or we try to mix this with the world. Well, you know, I believe some of the Bible, but, you know, this is, this is I'm living, this, I'm not really having a problem over here. But God says it's bad. But I'm really, I'm, I'm, it's not bad for me. It's okay. Let me compromise. And so nobody can tell if you're a believer or an unbelievable. You get any amen for that? Yeah. You shouldn't, you should, especially the way the world is right now. You should be able to tell a believer from an unbeliever. Okay, now it says, You must fear the Lord your God, verse 20, and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise. What do you see people doing out there right now? They praise celebrities and sports people and people who play football and people who play golf. They worship people like they're God. It makes me sick to my stomach. Even Christians worship sports and golf and race cars, and they worship these people. Oh, look at these. It says right here, God is the only one worthy of your praise. We don't praise people. We praise God. It's crazy what the world praises out there. I see it on TV. See it on TV. They're like worshiping somebody who sang a song. It's like, oh, they're like crazy. They're ready to like, like fall, like die for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what are you crazy? That gift came from God. You better give God the worship. Amen. What's wrong with people? My idol. They're my idol. They say it right there. That's idolatry, right? These people are my idols. And let me tell you something. God is not a man. And he's not a joke either. He will have no God before him. You stop worshiping us as believers. You stop worshiping people, God will show you. <laughs> God is not no joke. He will put you in your place quick. I see it all the time. I guess I'm like, worship the guy who created all this. You want to see who's powerful? You go outside and you look at them stars. You look up there in the skies and the trees and everything that's created out there. And you see if one of them guys that can sing a beautiful song or throw a beautiful football can make all that. Is they worthy of any praise? Amen? Amen? See if they can put breath in your lungs. <laughs> Give you food. Spiritual food. Love, look at it says. And the only word of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. I don't know about you, but God did a lot of miracles in my life. I've seen it with my own eyes. He changed me from something that I could never change myself. He did something in me that I could never do in myself, and it has nothing to do with me. I praise the Lord for that. He saved me. And other people, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I got broken. Because when you're not broken, you don't think you need to get fixed. That's the problem. When you're broken, you go right to the foot of that cross and say, Lord, I'm nothing without you. It's a height of arrogance and pride. I don't really need God. I don't really need to go to church. I don't need to read my Bible. My life is just fine. And all the while, it's falling apart and you're a mess. And you're just lying to yourself and everybody else. Amen? All right. Look at verse 22. When your ancestors went down to Egypt, there were only 70 of them. <laughs> but now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the skies, stars in the sky. That's what he's saying. He's going to make believers numerous, like stars in the sky. Multiply and multiply and multiply. People are going to come. Amen? Before we move on, I just want to talk about a couple of things here. All right, so we, we talked about that. In, in verse 19, God required all male Israelites to be circumcised, but he wanted them to go beyond performing, okay, the surgery, okay, to understanding its meaning. They needed to submit to God inside 
in their hearts as well as outside in their bodies. That's what he's trying, he was trying to tell them. Not, they took it as, oh, I'm circumcised. I'm a children of Arabia. I'm good. No matter how I live, no matter what I do, I'm good because I got circumcised outwardly. That's it. That's not the case. Now, listen to what I'm saying now. They needed to submit to God inside, in their hearts, as well as outside in their bodies. Then they could begin to imitate God's love and justice in their relationships with others. If our hearts are right with God, then our relationships with other people can be made right too. This vertical condition, this cross is there for a reason. Up and down is your relationship with God. This way is your relationship with people. If your relationship with God is right and you understand what he did for you, your relationship with other people will be good too. That's what it's talking about. That's how you can tell if your relationship with God is right or not right. If your relationship with God is right, your relationships with people are right, and you hold no partiality to which relationships you can have right or not with, right with. Amen? He says right with everybody. You wish no ill on them. If there's bitterness and resentment in you, there's still something wrong with your heart with God. You have to look at that. Whatever condition your relationships with people is, is the condition your heart is with God. That's the understanding you got of God. If you understand what he really did for you, he forgave everything that you could ever do, say and think that was ever against him. And he says, I want you to do the same now. I want you to represent me and I want you to love and forgive all your relationships and start and give them a fresh start every day. Like he gives you a fresh start. That's how you know if you're maturing or not. But if you still have a bitterness and resentment in your heart, there is a hot condition and you are not right with God. He says, if you're offering your sacrifice at the altar and therefore somebody has something against you, don't come to church. Go straighten it out, then come back to church. That's how serious God takes it. And I know a lot of us still have stuff in us from past, getting hurt or whatever, that's not cleared up. And let me tell you something, God holds us to steam. He wants us to clear it up. If not, we're not in the promised land. We're never going to get there. We're always going to harbor bitterness and resentment in our heart. We're never going to have peace. Because there's going to be no peace until you make things right with people. Can I get an amen for that? Okay. He says, forgive others as God through Christ has forgiven you. Okay. Imitate God, then, then it could begin to imitate God's love and justice in a relationship. If our hearts are right with God, then our relationships with other people can be made right too. When your heart has been cleansed, listen to me now, and you have been reconciled to God, you begin to see a difference in the way you treat others. Okay? In verse 17, in saying that Lord is God of gods and Lord of lords, Moses was distinguishing the true God from all the local gods worshipped throughout the land. Okay? You know how many gods are out? How many, how many different religions are out there that worship all kinds of different gods out there? Right? And they're all trying to make it, like, unified. Let's coexist with all these, with these false gods. It's like, no. There's only one God. And there's only one way to get them. Through Jesus Christ. If you don't go through Jesus Christ, then you can't have the real God. You have a lot of other gods, the God of this world, and that is who? Satan. And everybody thinks, well, well I'm not that bad. No, ain't Satan comes as an angel of light, doing good things. This world is trying to establish a utopia, Christ with no Christ. We don't need Christ to make the world a better place. And that's what the Bible tells us is going to happen. The world doesn't need Jesus Christ. And neither does America anymore. Take the prayers off the wall. Take the statues down. Make the churches into condos. Let's make hair salons out of the churches. And America is in for a rude awakening because of it. Amen? And guess what? Us Christians that want to live right are going to suffer for it. Because we want to do the right thing. Judgment's going to come on our nation for the people who are doing the wrong thing that knew that this nation was built on God's principles. But no, we don't want him anymore. Just like Israel wanted a king, right? And what happened ever since they wanted a king? They got oppressed and suppressed Quran, and we're still suffering for that choice, right? 
And everybody's like, oh, just live and let live. They don't have to believe. Don't worry about it. No, no, they have to. They have to come to know Christ. Or this, this world is in trouble. Everybody thinks it's not a big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. There's a place that's not here. It's called hell. And if you're not saved, that's where you're going. On people that don't believe in Jesus, family, friends, anybody else that don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God that rose from the dead is going to hell when they die. That's just a fact. If you want to take that to the bank, take it to the bank because that's what the Bible says. But nobody wants to talk about that. Oh, don't tell people about Jesus. Oh, that offends people. He's supposed to. The time is short. Even family and friends, kids, relatives, whatever it is, they don't believe in Jesus. Hell is going to be bound for them forever. That's scary. It's scary to know that people that don't believe in Jesus, where they're going when they die. The time is getting short here. It's time to stop being, to be serious about this. Amen? Okay. <laughs> That wasn't me, by the way. That had nothing to do with what I was going to preach. That's the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. When the prophets spoke in the Old Testament, they were telling them, things aren't going to go well for you if you continue living this way. Let's get rid of them. There was, there was 400 other prophets that told them, easy peasy, keep sinning. Don't worry about it. God's grace covers it. You're saved. Live the way you want. Everything's good. And, the, and one prophet said, no, judgment's coming. They said, let's kill that guy. He's a troublemaker. Yeah. Yeah. Let's shut that church down. They're, telling, they're talking about judgment there. Yeah. It's the truth. It's the truth. Even Christianity is in the same place. They'll pick a church that gives you your best life now. Gene, God's a genie. Don't worry. Just pray. Don't worry if you lose your job. He'll give you a better one. Don't worry if, you, if, you, if you're late or you don't go in or you call out sick all the time and you lie. Don't worry. God's got a better job for you. Lies. Grandpa God, right? I'll tell you what, the world has been warned. And judgment doesn't come. This nation is only 240 years old. Okay? Judgment came over like 400 years back in the Old Testament. Okay? It didn't come overnight. The, it, God used to, was telling them their sins haven't worn their destruction yet. As they keep piling them on and piling them on in the sinful state and leaving God out, out more and more, judgment came in more and more. They kept getting warned. God was full of grace and mercy in the Old Testament. He was telling them to repent. He was giving them hundreds of years to turn from it. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, judgment's coming. You only got three days to repent. He was telling them to turn. He was gracious to them. Years, hundreds of years. Generations were passing before judgment came. Okay, let me keep going here. In verse 19, God required that all male Israelites to be circumcised but one of them to go beyond performing a surgery to understanding its meaning. They needed to submit to God inside their hearts as well as outside. In their bodies, they could begin to imitate God's love and justice in their relationships with others. If our hearts are right with God, then our relationships with other people could be made right too. When your heart has been cleansed and you have been reconciled to God, you will begin to see a difference in the way you treat others. In verse 17, in saying that the Lord is God of gods and Lord of lords, Moses was distinguishing the true God from all the local gods worshipped through the land. Okay? Then Moses went a step further, calling God mighty and awesome. He has such, he was, he has such awesome power and justice that people cannot stand before him without his mercy. Fortunately, his mercy towards his people is unlimited. Thank you, Jesus. When we begin to grasp the extent of God's mercy towards us, we see that true love is, how, is, is in how deeply God loves us. Okay, if you just think about what goes on in your mind every day, in the way you act, in your behaviors, when you know the truth, and the mercy that this guy gives us every day, in how could you, that, we can't even grasp that kind of unconditional love. Imagine if our children did that to us every day and night, and people, we'd write them off quick. God hasn't written us off. 
He gives us mercy and justice every day. He's full of grace and mercy. He's saying, why won't you give other people grace and mercy? Do you think you're a God that you can't forgive somebody for what they've done to you? Yeah, that means that I'm a God unto myself if you can't forgive. God says, if you can't forgive, I'm not forgiving you, and you're going to reap, what, unforgiveness in your heart, and you're never going to feel the peace of God. That's just the way it goes. Okay, when we begin to grasp God's mercy <laughs> towards us, we see how true love deeply God loves us. All those our sins deserve severe judgment, and we know it does. God has chosen to show love and mercy to all who seek him. Your oaths must be in his name alone, means that God alone should have their allegiance, right? If we make an oath, we make it before God. I make an oath, God's always watching over us. As a Christian, you, you give somebody your word. It's just like you gave your word to Jesus. And if you don't hold it, it's like you broke it with God. And he holds you accountable, you're going to have to answer for that. You say you're going to do something and blow it off and not do it. That's what unbelievers do. Believers that believe in Jesus keep their word if it hurts. They keep it. That's what God calls us to do. If it means suffering for his name's sake, then we suffer for his name's sake. To crucify our flesh means to suffer. Thank any amen for that. All right. <laughs> I love the Bible. I, I've never been so humbled in all my life than when I read these words and when I compare my life to what he tells me I should be doing. I'm like... I don't even be, I shouldn't even be breathing. How about an amen for that? Amen. We can take the church face off. All of us, right? All of us need his mercy every day. Let's go to Deuteronomy 11. Let's break into this before we close. We've got about 10 minutes. And I think I should get started with Deuteronomy 11 because there is 34 chapters in Deuteronomy. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Once we're done with Deuteronomy, we're going to get a good grasp of the whole Old Testament because that's, that's what it talks about. And we, we know it anyway because we read the daily walk, right? We know the Bible. That's an awesome thing, right? We know that there's no shenanigans in this church. Okay, look at Deuteronomy 11, verse 1. You must love the Lord your God and always obey his requirements, <clears throat> decrees, regulations, and commands. Keep in mind that I am not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen his greatness and his strong hand and powerful arm. They didn't see the miraculous signs and wonders he performed in Egypt against Pharaoh in all his land. They didn't see what the Lord did to the armies of Egypt and to their horses and chariots. How he drowned them in the Red Sea as they were chasing you. He destroyed them and they have not recovered to this very day. Your children didn't see how the Lord cared for you in the wilderness until you arrived here. They didn't see what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, a descendant of Reuben, when the earth opened its mouth in the Israelite camp and swallowed them. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Along with their households and tents and every living thing that belonged to them. But you have seen the Lord perform all these mighty deeds with your own eyes. He's saying, well, your kids didn't see all that. You better teach them who God is. Because if you don't, they're not going to believe it. How many people don't teach their kids about God today? <clears throat> it's sad. Well, you can make your own choices. You don't, I don't need to tell, tell you about God. You, you don't really need God in your life right now. Don't worry about it. Just You don't need God. The world's doing fine without God. Lies, right? And we, and, we, and we bring the kids right down into it. And we say that we're Christians. Go figure. God must be like, you didn't see all the miracles I've done in your life and other people's lives? And you don't want to tell your kids? You don't want to thank me and say grace at dinner time? You don't even want to acknowledge me? He says, well, then maybe I'm not going to acknowledge you. 
when you need me. Let me tell you something. People come to God don't want when they're getting blessed. People come to the Lord when they're busted out and broken and have nowhere else to go. They get on their knees and pray to something, right? Like they said, there's no atheist in the foxhole when there's bullets coming at them, right? They're praying to God that they don't get hit with one, right? But when everything's going good, oh, yeah, I'm doing fine. Don't worry about church. Don't worry about the Bible. I'm doing good without that. And the devil's just loving that, saying, oh, you're a Christian just living for me. Thank you. Not telling anybody about me. Not telling them that I live a disciplined life. Don't worry. I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven and it doesn't matter how I live. I'm saying, oh, they must have read the wrong scriptures or something. Somebody twisted that word. Somebody twisted it and they jumped on it. Who wouldn't jump on the fact that I don't have to do anything and just live the way I want after I get saved? All this in heaven too. Who the heck would want to deny himself and live right if we didn't have to? Right? We just say, oh, I'm going to heaven. Hey, I'm just going to continue what I'm doing. I'm fine. Get out of hell free ticket. Yeah, that's what the Bible means. And people jump on that message, right? And it's a lie. No, if you, you become what you believe. You believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you become like him. And he'll work in you till you do. And if you don't, then you never had him. And don't think that you did. Because if you got the Lord and he sealed you, he will convict you back to church and into that Bible one way or another. And if it causes putting you in prison, he'll do it. Amen? A lot of people find Jesus in jail, right? And if somebody can walk away and not read the Bible, they're not sealed. Because when you're sealed, you're sealed. It cannot be taken away. And God is in your life and he will convict you back to him one way or another. Can I get an amen for that? So don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself saying, I'm saved and I'm good. That's what the people in, in Israel thought. I'm saved, we're children of Abraham. John the Baptist said, you brood of snakes. Prove by the way you live that you've repented and turned to God. Don't just say, I believe in Jesus. Prove by the way you live that you've repented from your sins and turned to Jesus. It's the same principle. Amen. Prove it. Prove it by the way you live and how you act. Can't get an amen for that. All right. This is, this is a church of righteousness. We don't want sin in here. We want the sun to shine in here. Amen? We want to leave the darkness away. That's why we come here, to get some light. The heck with the darkness. We don't, Jesus didn't have to die for you to stay in sin. He didn't have to die for that. You were doing fine without him dying. He died so you can come up out of that and have a new life and change. And if you don't think you need to change, well, that means you don't need a Savior. There's nothing wrong with me. That's what they said. Remember, they said new wine is, it has to go in new wineskins. Well, there's nothing wrong with the old wine. Why do I need new wine? Why do I need a new life? My old life is just fine. So that means you don't need Jesus. Don't say, I believe in Jesus and need a Savior when you really don't. You're lying to yourself and other people. And don't think heaven is your home, because it's not. <laughs> That's a fact. Don't be deceived. The devil believes in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, too. He's not going to heaven. There's a lot to the word believe. Believe and obey is synonymous in the Bible. If you believe something, you obey it. God says to me to love my enemy, I have to love my enemy. I have to choose to love my enemies. I have to choose to pray for somebody to persecute me. I have to learn to live the right way again. I have to be taught. Like little kids, he said, you're going to come to me. Right? All right, where did I end off on this? Oh, blessings for obedience, verse 8. Therefore, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today so you may have strength to go in and take over the land you're about to enter. If you obey, listen what it says, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors <clears throat> and to you, their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. What does it mean here? Let me just explain something, what he's saying here. Be careful to obey. It says, if you obey, you'll enjoy a long life. You can think that you're having a great life down here, 
by going on vacations and doing all these things and buying all this stuff and having a lot of money and you think you're enjoying your life. At the end of the day, you know it as well as everybody else, you come up empty. It doesn't really matter. You come up empty with it. You're not enjoying your life. All it does is create more responsibility. All you're looking for is some kind of fix to make you feel better. Instead of just saying, I can just sit here, I don't have to go anywhere. What do I have to go here and go there? I can enjoy my life without anything. I don't need all that stuff. He blesses us inward with peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you actually tell somebody about the Lord and what he's did in your life, it's like no high, no gift, no nothing can, can make you feel that way. You can't buy it. You can't buy God. You can't buy joy and happiness. You can't buy it. Look at the world that they spend all their money on. They're still a mess. Right? Celebrities, you look at all the stuff that they get into. No, no different than nobody with no money. So why would I want to chase after that? I'm chasing after somebody that don't. I'm chasing after this guy right here. This is where the, it says, there's where you find life in him. <clears throat> well, because 100 million people ain't here. That doesn't mean, listen, 100 million people follow the devil. Just because that's what people do. Oh, look it. Look, they must be doing something good. All them people are following him. Hello? Read your Bible. 100 million people will follow him. Baal. Believe, uh, God's people were following the false prophets because they were telling them, la di da di da have you build your houses while God's house laid in shambles. They were building their fine homes and everything, right? When well, we can't get a dollar to build a new church. Right? Because my house is going to come first over God's house. That's just what happens. By the way, Solomon built the temple, but do you know Solomon's temple was twice as extravagant as God's? Twice as big. I got to build my castle. Yeah, maybe I'll throw something about him. Maybe, maybe, they'll be able to, maybe they'll put a cup under the water so it don't leak the roof. God's house don't leak. My house is made out of a slate roof, right? It's never going to leak. It's the same principle. Listen, this hasn't changed in over 2,000 years. This spiritual, the, the, the value of, the, of your spiritual life will show from what you give. That's the way God says it. We don't ask for money here. So you give what's in your heart. If it ain't in your heart, you ain't giving. Then that, guess what? I guess the love for God ain't in your heart. That's just what it shows. All right. We're going to pick up with verse. We'll start in verse 8 when we get back together again. We're going to close right now. It's a little past 8 o'clock. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Hope you take it to heart. Our important this is at times of growing short to get closer to God and to give your whole heart to Him. Amen? All right, Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close.
bringing us back to life again, right? Amen. David, you want to come up and close us in prayer tonight? Thank you. <laughs> we'll bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the message that you've given us tonight. We are so honored and grateful that you have to share a message with us. We're grateful for this church, the people in it, for all the people across the world who listen to us. I hope and pray that, not just for myself, but for everybody who is sitting here listening today, that we may take this word and apply it to our lives. Amen. God bless everybody here, and have a great day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace. Peace.